0: to Anturia Diaries prequel stories written and narrated by Heather Lynn McMillan and copyright 2022 content warning. The Anturia Diaries prequel stories consistently feature themes of graphic violence, profanity, controversial topics, and sexual content. As such, these podcasts are not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. Some episodes also contain more specific themes which may be triggering. These episodes will feature further content warnings in the notes. Please take care of yourself and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. The trip back to Tithia filled me with a strange combination of anxiety and excitement. I felt like our departure there was so long ago and so far removed from me. But in reality, several months had passed. Our numbers were much larger now as we retraced the path back into Tithia, where the Civil War began. My mind was still troubled about Kyla but I had to push it aside to deal with the importance of what lay ahead of us. This battle could very well be the end of the Civil War in one way or another. This time the numbers were with us, and I was hoping that combined with a great strategy would help us defeat this last group of rebels that were making a stand in the occupied streets of Tithia. Once a weir came to us and informed us that the fighting had begun in Agmirden Square, Dalphia and I both made sure we were armored and fully equipped with a variety of weaponry. All the others were doing the same. I want everyone in their positions that we discussed, I ordered. The new council, along with our military leaders, had been laying out this plan on the trip back to Tithia and in the time leading up to this fight breaking out, everyone would know what to do now. I was a little upset they didn't want me on the front lines fighting. but. I I was set up near the edge of town with a host of guards and Dalphia around me in our headquarters. Oswald was with us as well, and there were a few other leading members of the new council that remained behind at the headquarters, also with their own guards. Several community leaders also remained with us for the battle. Aweer went with all of her soldiers from Velglin, and that absolutely surprised no one at all. They were all fighters, after all. Anyone who lived in Chell de that wasn't a fighter would have remained behind in the community. We had communication telepaths set up to pass news along from the various ranks that were moving around the outskirts of Tethia. We already had some groups inside, hence the fighting that occurred in Agmirden Square, but we kept most of our forces out of the community as we didn't want to be the ones to initiate combat when possible. Dalphia and I were looking over maps, watching various places of the community get breached by more and more of our forces as we pushed our way through into the streets. I watched the progress of our supply line going into the Old Food Supply Building and it appeared that my guess was accurate. They did not suspect us to use that particular location or building, as the line seemed to move unimpeded until at last we could see the building was completely occupied by our forces. About an hour later, we had secured a couple of blocks around the old food supply building as well, which ensured we could get equipment and weapons and first aid out to our troops in a variety of directions and paths throughout the community. Evidently, the rebels that amassed here in Tithia weren't as smart in planning for supplies, which is absurd considering they had to know they would be surrounded by our forces and trapped within the community without outside help. I was about to make this comment to Daphia when a huge explosion shook our little makeshift headquarters from the south side. I fell out of my seat onto the ground, and I noticed as I went to stand, so had Daphia and several others that had been sitting around us. What was that? I said, looking around for the source of the explosion while pulling out a knife with my right hand and a neuro-stunner with my left. Dalphia was already up with her weapons in hand before I even finished speaking the first two words of my question. We're being ambushed from outside the city. She began running toward the ruckus and yelling back at me as she ran. Get Oswald and the others to a safer place. Alternate location. All of our guards took off with Dalphia toward the source of the commotion in the direction of the explosion. I looked at the remaining council members and community leaders and motioned them to follow me to the backup headquarters spot we had picked out a little further outside the west side of the community. Some of us that were evacuating had weapons in their hands like me. Others like Oswalt gathered up our devices that mapped out the progress of the battle and the positioning of our troops. The telepaths also fled with us, although some of them had been killed in the blast as that side of our structure was where they sat working. We probably only had half of them left with us, I noticed. They were trying to cut off our communications by attacking us in our headquarters and knowing we'd have telepaths set up there. I had an annoying feeling in my mind that someone may have betrayed us and maybe they knew where we were headed as a backup. I took a deep breath. Just before the turn we would take to go to our backup headquarters, something made me turn and lead the whole pack away in the opposite direction. No one in the group questioned my change of direction, but they followed me in a hard run. I weaved in and out of paths in the woods that surrounded the community until I found the very entrance into Tethia that our supply chain had entered to set up in the old food supply building. I decided that was where we were heading, because just before the explosion... It was becoming so well fortified with our troops. We were unnoticed and unimpeded until we reached a battle at an intersection. Once the combatants were in sight but still distant to us, I stopped all of those running with me. Wait here. I stepped forward a little because I wanted to assess which side was winning this fight before plunging a bunch of non-combatants that I had with me into the intersection. If we were losing, I would go along with my fighters in our ranks to help. If we were winning, I could move us all forward safely. It did not take long to make my assessment though because I realized this particular group of soldiers was a weir and a branch of her militants from Chel de Velglin. I moved closer. A weir! I yelled, relieved to see her. She slit the throat of the rebel she was fighting and then turned to me with a look of surprise. What are all of you doing here? she asked, rather astonished. They attacked the headquarters and I had a premonition they were setting us up at our backup location. I whispered to her once she approached me and I had moved even closer to her. She nodded. Good thinking, supply house, she asked quietly, noticing the direction we'd come from and were facing. I nodded. We'll get you there, she assured me. She shouted some commands to her soldiers, and they all rallied around us, essentially sandwiching us in on all sides and moving through the streets with us toward the supply house. It felt like a turtle with a strange-shaped living shell around me. Everywhere we moved, the shell moved with us. Oswald seemed uncomforted by the soldiers around us, because the fighting was often so close to us. Occasionally, he would close his eyes when something particularly bloody happened, like someone's guts spilling out or a throat being slashed. A few times, I saw him look like he was going to throw up at severed body parts on the ground as we walked through the streets. There was carnage everywhere the eye could see. I couldn't begin to imagine how many of our kind had not only been lost in the Civil War, but in this single battle that raged for merely a couple of hours now. I did notice that most of the dead were from the rebels, though, because they had donned purple sashes around their waistlines as their uniform. The purple, of course, signified that they were superior blood to the humans and destined to rule them, or at least so they proclaimed. I know it was only about fifteen minutes from the time we ran into a weir until we finally reached the supply house, but somehow it felt like an hour went by during that crazy journey through the streets. We could not walk anywhere unhindered until we got about four blocks away from the supply house into the area that was completely under our control now. A weir got us inside the supply house, and as we set back up, I pulled her aside. I need someone to get out to Dalphia and our guards, and let them know we did not make it to the backup headquarters and why we didn't. I don't want them going there looking for us. A weir pat my shoulder. I'll do it. I'll take a fresh troop of my soldiers from here in this block with me and run back there to find Dalphia and the rest. You stay put, as right now this is the safest place in the community. We are about to push out another block in each direction from here, and we have other troops coming in from the north side to meet us, so we'll have a clean sweep in and out of the city, from the north and west sides, once we pushed through. With a flash, she was gone before I could respond to her, and she was back into the streets. I felt relieved that she was on our side, as this battle certainly proved it if there were any questions prior. Oswald was happy to get his things set back up again and do what he did best, administrative work. I watched him with a soft smile for a few seconds before turning back to the telepaths to get them set up with communication again. The other leaders took over some tables in the building and set up their devices once again to track the battle's progress. I noticed looking over their shoulders that a weir was correct. We were about to completely take over the north and west sides of the community. Two more hours passed. I had not heard from a weir or from Dalphia. I admit that I was worried for them both, even though I knew they were the most competent and capable fighters on this planet. I concealed all that worry within me, though, because the mood in the room was optimistic, as now it looked like we held about 90% of the community under our control. One of the telepaths stood up and waved me over. I ran over to her, and she said, A weir sends word that she found some of the guards from the original headquarters dead at the backup headquarters. It was, as you suspected, a trap. Five of the guards and Dalphia are unaccounted for in the bodies that were recovered. She is hopeful that they managed to escape. I felt a hard knot form in the middle of my stomach. I had become so fond of Dalphia that the thought of losing her was as bad as the grief I felt from losing my own child and grandchild. I nodded. I was about to respond when the telepath added, "Aweer said she and her forces are still strong, so they are going to join the last battle going on at the south gate. Oswalt approached and confirmed, The last of the rebels have formed together at the South Gate and are making one last stand. We have them surrounded on all sides. Let's end this, I said. Make sure we offer them a chance to surrender before continuing to fight to the death. The telepath nodded and relayed my instructions to all the leaders out there either already at the South Entrance or the ones headed that way that were not stationed to hold all the other areas of the community. Forty-five long minutes later, we received word that none would surrender and that the last of the rebels had been killed. Everyone around me cheered at the news. I wanted to cheer, but it was hard for me to cheer with so much blood in our streets and all over the planet. I was thinking of all those who died, both from our side and from the rebels. I was thinking of my sweet Afanin, I was thinking of Kyla's family. I was thinking of Dalphia. Where was she? Was she dead? Was she alive? My thoughts were interrupted by a weir returning into the building. Bryn, it's time to take you all back to the newly reestablished headquarters in Tethia. I nodded and forced a smile at her. Everyone collected their things and we marched as a group back to the center of town where the old council headquarters stood. The sidewalks and streets around it littered with bodies, blood, broken down capsules, and debris from explosions. The building itself looked a wreck with the east wall blown out completely, but it was still standing, and the front entryway stood still with its huge three-story door looming as a reminder of the greatness we once were, mixed with the promise of the greatness we might be again. At least I thought so. I climbed up the steps to give a dedication speech to those assembled, and As I turned around, I saw another strange group approach. This was a group of soldiers surrounding a solitary figure in the center, with some other figures behind the soldiers and the central figure. This group was not from Anturia; these were humans. The central figure looked imposing and was decked out like royalty. There was no mistaking this man was the leader of those around him. They did not have weapons drawn and did not appear aggressive as they moved through the streets and came to stop before the council building in front of me. One of the people behind the presumed leader came up a few steps in front of me and proclaimed, Lady Tal, Austin Daxing Gobin emperor of chuck is here to greet you and congratulate you on your success the crier bowed respectfully to me after his announcement and then bowed low to the emperor as he passed him and headed toward me I was not going to bow to this emperor as he was no emperor of mine. And apparently, he had no intention of bowing to me either. Instead, he did that strange human gesture I read about and extended his right hand. I knew it meant he wanted to shake my right hand. I had learned about it from the reports of others who went to earth and interacted with the human. To read about this custom was strange, but to see it firsthand was even more peculiar. I didn't know if he was here for good or bad at this point, so I took his hand with my right hand, and we shook hands. Lady Tal, he smiled at me kindly, congratulations on your victory here. Call me Bryn, no one on Anturia went by their surname. Our population had never been large enough to require us to do so in any location. We went by our first names and our titles or positions or community, whichever was the most prominent. In fact, most Anturians didn't even have surnames because they were so new and still useless in many of our communities. Bryn, he corrected himself. My skin seemed to crawl as he said my name, though, and all of my gut feelings were warning me that this was a dangerous man. I am, as my crier announced, Emperor Austin Daxingovan of Tektorin. I have conquered all of the human and Anturian territories on the continent of Tektorin and combined them under one government for uh, ease of administration. Ease of administration, my ass. He craved absolute power. I had no doubt of it in the few minutes we stood together. I kept my filters on, though. Congratulations to you as well, then. Yes, well, that said, I'm here to negotiate with you since it appears you have won control over this continent. What do you call it again? Landorin? Landorus, I corrected him kindly. It was hard not to grip my teeth together in response. Ah, Landorus. He looked around disdainfully at the battered streets and buildings. What is it you wish to negotiate? I asked him, attempting to keep my heart steady, as I feared he would want to take Landorus from us. I am willing to let you and your kind have Landorus without interfering, but only if certain terms are met. He didn't beat around the bush or bat an eyelash as he spoke. I wanted to respond with that I was willing to let him live to go back to his precious Tektorin, but of course I held back the comment. And what are your terms, I asked him. First, you must never attempt to take over or to occupy any governmental, military, entrepreneurial, or leadership position in Tupdurin. This includes all of your kind. Your kind must stay here on Landorus. Or if they choose to remain on Tukdurin, they will be subjected to slave labor by humans. He didn't pause for a response, but rather kept going as though he were reading from some pre-rehearsed script. Second, you must accept humans on Landorus that we deem not fit to live on Tukdurin. We will make regular shipments of them, and they may include humans who break our laws, humans who are inferior, or humans from non-technologically advanced periods of Earth. And they may include humans who break our laws, humans who are inferior, or humans from non-technologically advanced periods of Earth. He looked right into my eyes now and smiled. Are you in agreement? I tilted my head sideways. What if we do not agree? I inquired. Well, if you do not agree, first I will slaughter this little group of vagabonds I found eavesdropping in on me and my people on the outskirts of the community during the battle. He motioned to his soldiers behind him, and up from the back of their ranks I saw Dauphia along with the other soldiers that survived the ambush chained together and looking absolutely beat up and wretched. It was all I could do to keep from crying out because I knew it would only bring him satisfaction. Second, I have enough military around your entire continent right now to occupy every community of yours within five hours, and then you and your entire race will become slaves to humans as we occupy the entire surface of Anturia. I looked around at my people all around me, and I could see many nodding toward me to agree to his terms. Not surprisingly, I saw Dalphia shaking her head not to agree. I saw a weird, calculated glare, which told me she was thinking agree to the terms and then double-cross him later, a thought I would keep close to my heart. I swallowed and then looked back to this emperor. On behalf of the High Council of Anturia, we agree. For listening to Season One, Episode Nine, "Coming Home to Darkness," from the Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories podcast, be sure to subscribe to this podcast through your favorite podcast subscription apps or at anturia.org. Season One, Episode Ten, "The Mysteries of Duroy." We learn what happens to Kyla in the hands of the renegades in the plains of Duroy. Stay tuned. Anturia Diaries Prequel Stories Podcast are copyright 2022 by Heather Lynn McMillan. All rights reserved. No part of these stories may be reproduced in any form or by an electronic or mechanical means, including information storage and retrieval systems, without permission in writing from the author. Disclaimer, this is a work of fiction. Names, characters, places, and incidents either are the product of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, events, or locales is entirely coincidental.